This week, we're talking about whether feminists are more likely to be into witchcraft. I saw more research required with the devil. Science and technology. Hello and welcome to More Research Required, a podcast where we talk about all the research studies we would do if anyone would give us the money. I'm Amy Giacomucci. And I'm Abby Norling-Ruggles. So, Abby, what kind of witchcraft have you done today? Oh, man. Well, I mean, it kind of depends on what your definition of witchcraft is. Like, it can be pretty broad. Have you transformed anything, perhaps? I... no. Okay. (laughs) have you (laughs) that's fine yeah i didn't do anything magical oh you know what a squirrel did try to run into my purse while i was eating lunch in the park and i did say hey buddy don't do that and then the squirrel grabbed my water bottle with its (laughs) squirrel hands and then i said it again louder and then the squirrel left that's a pretty terrifying squirrel but that that seems like a good, you know, nature animal interaction thing that could be a witchy thing. Yes, I am a druid now. That squirrel is my familiar, and that's where I channel my power from, is from that very bold autumn squirrel. Cool. Yeah. Good, yes. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, this is our second spooky October episode. Oh, right. And it's about witches, and it's very exciting. Yeah, I'm very hyped to talk about all of these spooky autumn things. So this week we are talking about witchcraft and the factors that push people towards it, especially in modernity, because eh, there's been some buzz about modern witchcraft. I mean, like, basic witches just came out. There's like all those teens on Tumblr. Oh yeah, it's kind of like topical because of that book. But oh yeah, the bones. Yeah, that's not great. (laughs) Yeah, what was up with that? That was. Don't have human bones, probably. That's probably not a great plan. Yeah, if you're gonna do witchcraft, don't dig up the human bones and don't talk about it on Tumblr. And don't try to sell them. Oh, yeah, Like, yeah, definitely yeah. don't do that. Never try to sell human bones, just in general. Maybe don't. Yeah. I don't know, maybe, like, do you think it would be okay if they were, like, a, um, you know, whatever you call those, like, they're supposed to be saint's bones, but they're probably not. A relic? But... Yeah, like if you had a relic, sure, whatever, you're the Christianity person. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, if you had one of those somehow in your personal possession, could you, like, sell it to a museum or a church or something? I mean, probably you'd want to, like, donate it, but... Yeah, I don't think the church would buy it. I think the church would say, hey, that's a holy relic, and also, like, we need that in our church for it to be Mm -hmm. sacrosanct, so... (laughs) I yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, I don't think you could sell a piece of a saint except to, like, someone who really wanted to personally own a piece of a saint. Yeah, and it would probably have to be on, like, the underground market at that point. Yeah, I mean, I I can imagine it happening publicly and no one really doing anything about it, though. Maybe if it was, like, a really rich person. Yeah. They but... can basically get away with anything. So true. So speaking of <laughs> witchcraft... <laughs> good good solid segue well isn't money the most powerful magic we have today i was actually reading sort of a lot of stuff that connected 
gay witchcraft to anti-capitalism, which is fun. Oh, that's really interesting because I read a lot of things that connected male stereotyped witchcraft to regular capitalism. Huh. Cool. Yeah. Do you want to start sharing our background research? Yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. So the paper that I found that ended up talking about male and female stereotypes of witchcraft was by Willem de Plecourt, which I tried to do that very French. I don't even <laughs> know if he's French, but I tried. Oh, maybe. Okay, anyway, it's called. It's from 2000, and it's called The Making of the Female Witch, Reflections on Witchcraft and Gender in the Early Modern Period. So that focused mostly on, I believe, 16th and 17th century in Europe. It mostly looked at, or the highest focus was like Dutch witchcraft. It's looked at witchcraft on a local level. It asked the question why women were often seen as perpetrators of bewitchment. Mm -hmm. And how witchcraft discourse mirrors male hegemony. So basically, the two stereotypes, they both exist within the framework of communal living. um, And like having a very small village that's often cut off from the outside. This is all very local level. Um, Uh I mean, some, I feel like some... uh... Male witchcrafter, I mean, I guess, I don't know, it depends on whether you're talking about, like, male witches versus, like, wizards, I guess. But anyway, continue. Oh, yeah. I mean, in this case, it's more like the two controlling images of male and female witches, which is to say the two um, stereotypes that were used to label witchcraft, one of which happened to apply to men more often and one of which happened to apply to women more often. Right. It wasn't like only women did this quote-unquote male witchcraft. Anyway, but so the female witch stereotype was more like a disruption of society. Um, so that's more like when, for example, you would say like, oh, your son is very beautiful, and then your the person's son dies, or when you're, like, uh-huh. a healer for someone and they happen to get sicker, or if, like, you say something mean to your neighbor and then their cows stop producing milk, whereas male witchcraft tends to just be, like, you're very lucky and you get a lot of money. <laughs> like, like, you're just yeah, very no, fortunate. I mean, that, yeah, that makes sense, and it really is so much of the patriarchy where, like, If men have power, it's cool and good. And if women have power, it's bad and creepy. Yeah, and it's also interesting because you see persecution happening along those lines of the stereotype, not of like, not necessarily of the gender itself, but it still falls in with the same thing. For example, men would often be prosecuted along, like when they were actually prosecuted, it would often be when it was alongside their wives or their families. Uh Um, So doing this female type of witchcraft... Um, and then women who did the male type of witchcraft were often left alone, especially considering that you can, like, if you have enough people to make a declaration of good conduct about you in court, like, you're fine. Like, they'll be like, oh, okay, you're a good person. No, you don't have to go to jail. Which is, again, interesting (laughs) because often the people accused of witchcraft are ostracized women who don't really have a lot of people to vouch for them because, like, they don't have husbands and they aren't yeah. really able to participate yeah, so, in society. Uh, related to that, I read a Historiography of Witchcraft as Gender History by K.T. Natrella, and it, uh, you know, this, so this is a historiog- historiography, so not a lot of orig- original research, but um, it 
talks about um, how 80 to 90% of witches killed in early modern witch trials were female, and many of them were either, or both of these things, widows or spinsters, so they were, you know, independent women, sort of outside of the patriarchy, outside of the, you know, the, the nuclear family, the role of a woman in that society, kind of, and second... They were often doctors or midwives or healers of some kind. So they were people who had some kind of knowledge and power that was maybe not acceptable for women to have. Right. I uh, read another paper. I mean, it was similar to the other one I read, but it made slightly Mm -hmm. different points called A Feminist Perspective on the History of Women as Witches by Maggie Rosen from 2017. So that was this year. But It ended up talking a lot about the way that this specifically tried to force women to to perform the feminine apologetic to kind of like stay within their gender roles and or their assigned gender roles at the time and keep themselves within the frame of the patriarchy by accusing each other of witchcraft when they stepped out of line and like by allowing men to have this like tool over them. And I thought there was something else interesting that was in the book or paper, which crosses over <laughs> with that. So forgive me for monologuing. But there's also this interesting thing where men were perceived to, because witchcraft happens because you make a deal with the devil. Um, like uh-huh. you can do magic in Puritan society, basically. Like you can be a healer, you can see the future. But as soon as you start doing something negative, it's because you've made a deal with the devil. And the way that men were perceived... Sorry, in what society... Did you say... What what was the word before society oh, there? Oh, sorry. Um, Puritan society. Oh, yeah, like, okay. Early Puritan society, specifically. Like, you could... Right, so specifically, like, early America. Yeah. But, sorry, I'm jumping around. But, like, basically, the way that men are perceived to make deals with the devil is the devil is an equal to them, and they are using the devil's power as a tool. Whereas the way that women are seen to make a deal with the devil is women have sex with the devil and become a tool for the devil's uh, evil, which is A, yeah. of all messed up, but B, of all weirdly mirrors the way that people were able to have any kind of power at the time. Right, that actually makes a lot of sense because that is kind of you know, the only acceptable way for women to have power. Yeah, which I thought was so interesting and, like, terrible, and I hated it. Yeah. (laughs) Reminds me of, um, you know, the the line from Good Omens that's, like, most books will tell you that witches work naked. This is because most books on witchcraft are written by men. (laughs) Good Omens is so good. Yeah, I did also want to mention just an essay by Terry Pratchett, 1985, Why Gandalf Never Married, which is solid. And it's about just, you know, it's not an academic essay, but it just discusses the difference between uh, witches and wizards, which are often sort of treated as though they mean the same thing, especially I feel like in modern times, we got Harry Potter, where witches and wizards are really basically the same thing, but just divided along gender lines. But the like the the sort of fictional stereotype of these two groups are so different where wizards are you know academics they're like merlin or gandalf they're you know advisors to royalty and very powerful people and witches mostly live in huts in the woods and give people warts <laughs> so they're really not equal titles but we often treat them as if they're the same thing 
Yeah, that's really interesting. And that's very true. In our popular culture, like, there's not really a male name for a witch or a female name for a wizard. Like, I guess you could say a warlock, but a warlock's a different thing, too. So. Yeah, Terry Pratchett actually talks about that in the um, the essay, that there's you can say warlock and you can say sorceress and enchantress, but, like, the the male ones tend to have, you know, sort of erudite, powerful overtones, and the women want the fe- the female associated ones tend to be so much more like, you know, their power is dark and twisted and evil. Yeah, they're either sexualized or they're spinsters or both. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's fun and cool. Yeah. Thanks, Terry Pratchett. <laughs> <laughs> cool guy. Everyone yeah. should read Good Omens. So true. It's so good. I gotta reread it. I'm excited for when the miniseries comes on Amazon and we all get to watch that Queen documentary. Anyway. Uh, Yeah, okay. But, like, can we just, like, sidebar? (laughs) Always. (laughs) Why would you cast David Tennant and that other guy as Aziraphale and Crowley when, um... Oh, what are their names? Uh, the people from the IT crowd. Chris O'Dowell and Richard Iowade. Yeah, and Richard Iowade. Like... When they exist, why would you not cast them? (laughs) I mean, some people are afraid of flying too close to the sun, you know? Yeah, that's true. It'll still probably be good. It's good omens. It'll probably be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I'll watch it. When has an adaptation of a book ever done casting that was good enough for our hearts? I don't know if you've seen pictures of it, but, like, David Tennant's hair is weird. I'm not super (sighs) into it. Come on, David. Get it together. Get it together, David. <laughs> okay, this concludes our Good Omens fan cast. Let's get back to witches. All right. All right. Um, this concludes casting vaguely downwards. Anyway. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway. Um, so I did have one more source that I wanted to mention, which was... Uh, I didn't, it's a book, I didn't read that much of it, but it's called Witchcraft and Gay Counterculture, uh, 1978 by Arthur Evans, and the first chapter is titled Joan of Arc, Transvestite and Heretic, which is, like, a good start. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, so, like, you know, in the first chapter it talks about Joan of Arc being a person who was burned at the stake for you know, heresy, but her big crime was being gender nonconforming. It covers a lot of other topics. I didn't read the whole thing that, you know, connect not just feminism and, you know, anti-patriarchal views to witchcraft, but specifically queer stuff to witchcraft, which is pretty cool. And also sort of goes into anarcho-communism, which is also cool (laughs) and interesting and ties that to witchcraft, which is fascinating, but I I haven't read very much of it. I would like to read more of it. Right, yeah. I didn't find anything that was willing to overtly declare a link between queerness and witchcraft. The closest that it got was, I believe, the Maggie Rosen paper, which I'm just going to point out, like, immediately was like, I was going to Salem with my girlfriend, so thanks, Maggie. (laughs) Um, It also, later on, it said, like, this was... Uh, mostly happening to women who did not require male power and like did not have the need to fit into their gender roles and it's like you can like you can say that it was probably 
Like, there were probably a lot of lesbians. Like Yeah, and I feel like historically you do get a lot of, oh, witches dancing naked together in the forest and stuff, which sounds pretty gay to me. Yeah, like, it definitely doesn't sound straight. No. But, you know, gal pals. These gals are <laughs> such good pals. They're such good pals that they go out into the forest late at night and dance <laughs> naked around a bonfire. <laughs> Wait, wait, this is like the equivalent of labeling anything that's like clearly a sex object in an archaeological dig as a fertility ritual. (laughs) Yeah, no, it basically is. Yeah, like, um, actually, these women are dancing naked because they're casting a spell. Yeah. (laughs) Although it would probably not be fertility ritual, it would be like the opposite of that, because women... Or witches tend to be non-motherly and, like, destroy children and stuff. So oh, yeah, that. because, like, the the dichotomy is, like, uh, I really like the way it was put by the book law, the, the first paper I mentioned, and I'm going to stop trying to be very French, um, but, like, <laughs> which, like, there are women, and then there are witches who are, like, non-women or, like, unwomen, which... Right, they, yeah, they don't fit into the societal category of women, I guess. Yeah, like, they just, like, don't, aren't allowed to be part of that binary, which I, I don't know, I think is really interesting, and I guess fits into concepts of queerness, so. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, like, it's, it seems pretty obvious why queer people can be into that. I mean, it's, like, it is an interesting connection to queer people identifying with monsters, which I think we at least touched on last time. Yeah. In our last episode. Yeah. Um, but, I, like, witches are so interesting as a sort of pop cultural figure because they're kind of in the same category as monsters, you know, around Halloween and stuff. But they did they chose to be like that. And specifically, they chose to become witches to get power and knowledge. So I think that's a really interesting category for people to choose to identify with. Yes, and also I would argue that other, like, quote-unquote monsters or figures in that way, their powers are weak, are, like, their weakness, but, like, and their character isn't their weakness, whereas with witches, the only, like, negative is their character. Right, they're, yeah, and it's sort of, I mean, and we've somewhat steered away from this in modern pop culture, but... Right, the idea is they're evil, but their power and their knowledge is their strength, and they've chosen that. So, it's really cool. I love witches. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I didn't end up learning anything about modern witchcraft, though. Like, everything I know about modern witchcraft, I did learn from the Blue is for Nightmares series. So I don't think I know that series. Oh, it's by Laurie Stolarz, and it's just, like, about a Wiccan who goes to boarding school and, like, has prophetic dreams. And (laughs) there are murders. I did read some about um, Wicca a little bit. Uh, Not any specific articles or anything, but the American Religious Identification Survey in 2001 by the City University of New York said that it was America's fastest-growing religion, which pleases me a lot because, you know, mostly... (laughs) proselytizing religions like Scientology and Jehovah's Witnesses claim that they're the fastest growing religion. But in- but they are not. Yeah, but instead it's the the Wiccans. That's I'm not actually sure that it's still Wiccans because I have a memory of looking this up pretty recently and thinking that it was Islam. But either way, it's not Scientology. <laughs> and that's all we need to know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think there is a distinction to be made between 
Wiccans as a religion and people who identify in, you know, sensibility or aesthetic or ideology as witches, partially because a lot of Wiccans are, or at least, you know, old school Wiccans, are pretty heterosexual and or turfy, which I, is unfortunate, but, you know, what can you do? I didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, not all of them, but uh, definitely. So. Oh, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, turf would be a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. So, uh, mostly very bad feminists who don't believe that trans women are women. So, like, th- don't do that. Don't. Yeah, it's bad and wrong and mean. Yeah, don't do that. Don't apologize for it. Like, don't try to make it okay, because it's not. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, the type of Wicca that sort of became popular in the 50s or 60s, well, I mean, there's different branches. There's sort of a very heterosexual version that's about a a male god and a female goddess. And then there's, um, you know, some very lesbian ones, but they do tend to be a little turfy. I actually, like, I feel like I mostly learned about them after reading Neil Gaiman's Sandman comics because this episode is just super heavy on <laughs> the authors of Good Omens. <laughs> but... There are some unfortunately turfy witches in that, and they're proven to be very wrong, but they're just terrible, and reading about them is unpleasant. Yeah, that sounds awful. Um. Well, but the moral is turfs are wrong and bad, so it's a good moral. (laughs) (laughs) The other moral is crystals are probably gay culture, Um, which was not said verbatim, but was the subtext that was running through my head. In Sandman? No, just like in life. Okay, that's fair, yeah. Yeah. I feel like every time I I see posts about either astrology or crystals, it is by someone who is not straight. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like queer people are really into astrology and tarot. Yeah. So, right, I mean, I feel like that's the real category that we're looking at here is people who like the, you know, the witchy aesthetic or identify as witches for, you know, political reasons or whatever, but not people who are necessarily religiously witches wait who identify as witches for political reasons i think so i think you can be a witch because of feminism rather than a witch because of religion oh yeah 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 yeah. sure 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 gosh i wish that i had looked up more about witchcraft because or like modern witches because i really want to know if that's like an argument that happens within the witch community yeah no i yeah i didn't find that much and i mean a lot of what i did find was um you know, especially in sort of academic areas, was about, you know, Wiccans. And I think that Wiccans and pagans and whatever are not the entirety of the witch community. Right. There are many kinds of witches and there are, like, a lot of people who just kind of, again, are super into tarot or, like, I don't know how else you can be a witch in the modern age. I really should (laughs) have looked anything up. Crystals. Yeah, crystals. And, I I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of it... From what I've sort of encountered online in, you know, queer and feminist circles mostly involves a lot of just sort of autonomy and self-determination for, you know, individuals of what being a witch means and what witchcraft is. So I think a lot of people practice it differently. But that does make it harder to study as a community. Right. That's something that we would have to try to define if you are ready to start formulating yeah, let's experiment. move into methodology all right okay so what are you thinking 
I'm not really sure, honestly. I, I mean, I think that we just outlined a major difficulty, which is you can ask people if they're Wiccan. I mean, I guess you can just ask people, are you a witch? Well, like, if we're doing this as a survey, then mm-hmm. that's fine. But what if we do this as a, what types of people are most likely to be interested in the witchy things that you are doing? Like, what types of people who are not, who do not yet identify as witches tend to be drawn to, say, like, a tarot reading or a store full of crystals or a third thing that is related to witchcraft? (laughs) Astrology? (laughs) Astrology. Yeah, no, I think that's a good approach for sure, because then you catch people who have an interest in witchcraft but would not... Because, right, I mean, I think part of the issue here is that you know, there are people who believe in the magical properties of tarot, and then there are also people who like the aesthetic of tarot, and there are people who use tarot readings as a way to, you know, clarify their own thoughts and that kind of thing, uh, who don't necessarily believe that it has magical properties, but use it as, like, a tool. And I think we would be interested in all of those people, but only the first group would be likely to say, I'm a witch, or I believe in witchcraft. Right. Like, that is where the problem's going to be for trying to figure out the answer to are feminists and queer people more drawn to witchcraft? Yeah, but I I like your idea. I mean, like, I don't know, both feminists and uh, queer people are not easily identifiable without asking them if they are that thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we do have to ask them, I think. But if we, you know, maybe went to, like, real-world locations tarot readings and uh magic shop you know not stage magic shops but like magic stuff shops i don't know what those are called close-up magic shops no not <laughs> not that thing a different thing <laughs> we go to the screenings of now you see me three in 2020 uh i mean i will be there i will see that movie in theaters <laughs> wait that's our control group god <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but yeah, we go to a store that sells actual witchcraft paraphernalia. Yeah, and just ask customers, um, or, you know, just people going in and out of the store if they'd be willing to take a demographic survey, which isn't, like, the, you know, best controlled sample, but I think it would get us an idea, you know, and then just ask them to put down, like, are you a feminist? Do you identify as, um, you know, various queer identities? Mm -hmm. Um... And, you know, make it anonymous, obviously. Yeah. Like, it probably is harder to get people to answer that kind of stuff on an in-person survey, but I don't know. You know, I think we could figure out something like have them put it in a box or something so that we wouldn't be, like, watching them fill it out, you know. But but I think the, the general idea is solid of go to witchy, magical places and ask the people there if they're feminists or queer. Yeah. I don't know. We track them over time we can't we can't do that that right i mean we have unlimited funding here but we still want to preserve like some sort of ethics i think yeah but like we could also just like go to groups for example that meet in these places and and take demographics for them as well yeah definitely and i think that that could like i think that that would work out and we would also be able to spend so much of our funding money on crystals (laughs) yeah no I mean right we have to have like a 
you know, a reason to go to these places and, like, get the storekeepers on our side and everything, so we just buy lots of crystals. Yeah, like, someone's like, I don't know if I want you talking to my customers, and I'm like, well, I have 600 new best friends that are rocks that say otherwise. (laughs) Yes, perfect. Yeah, I feel like they would maybe refuse to sell me personally any of their items. Why? Because I think that they would be able to sense my skepticism by the fact that I would hold them up and be like, I'm gonna do some magic. (laughs) I mean, I've gone to like a a witch store and bought things there and like, I don't know. I mean, we did an episode on astrology where I just talked the entire time about how it's fake and I felt bad about that, but like... If they could sense the skepticism on anyone, they would probably sense it on me. Okay, so we're gonna need to hire a third person. (laughs) (laughs) I have some witchy friends who I feel like could handle this. Yeah, me too. Anyway, I think we did a good experiment idea. That was fast, or survey idea, I guess. Yeah, that was the fastest one we've ever done, I think. But but we did it good, I think. So, Amy, want to speculate wildly about the results of this survey? Okay, I think that we're going to find that it's mostly feminists and queer people. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that's correct. I don't know. I do, like, I don't really know how you would screen for TERFs, but I would be curious about how many TERFs we would get. Hopefully not very many. I just hope there aren't very many in the world. Yeah, me too. Hopefully there are, like, four and they're all friends with each other and no They're one just likes creating them. lots of online sock puppets. <laughs> That's the idea. But it's just those four people. (laughs) That's the dream. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, no, I think there would be a lot more, you know, good real feminists and queer people. Yeah, and I also think that, like, now there's a lot more open discussion about TERFs and how they're terrible. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that'll cut down on it. Um, But yeah, I think... Yeah, there are probably a lot going to be a lot of delightful, chill feminists and queer people. So Abby... Who's yeah. going to fund this study? Uh, Halloween costume stores who want to get a more accurate picture of what witches look like. Ooh, they have to replace all of their witch hats with like cool beanies. And <laughs> what do people I don't know. Wear? I feel like I feel like some queer witches could get into some witch hats. Yeah. Oh, what if witch hats came back as like a sort of vaguely ironic joke about the fact that everyone's a witch now. Yeah. I mean, I also just really want a cloak. I just want to wear a cloak on the streets. I want a cloak so badly, or a cape. Yeah, that would be so good. Where can you buy... Hello, um, this is Amy Giacomucci, co-host of More Research Required. I'm just here to ask if any of you sell capes or know where to buy them. (laughs) Um, I mean, you can buy them at, like, a Renaissance festival, but then it seems, like, not... I mean, I don't know, just a little questionable to wear them in the real world. Yeah, I want a cape that looks like it was, like, it was sold at Target. Like... I want yeah. a cape that could be sold at Ann Taylor Loft, you know, but I want it to be yeah, a I cape. Just want, I just want capes and cloaks to be, like, acceptable fashion items and, like, outerwear that you can just wear around and no one bats an eye. Yeah, me too. So, if there are any fashion designers listening, 
please more caves yeah please contact us at our twitter which is more research under wait no okay i know you're doing like a cool segue but do you have another answer about who's gonna fund this oh um so the person who's going to fund this is going to be uh jk rowling's alter ego robert galbraith who is doing it on behalf of jk rowling's third alter ego who is yet to be named who's going to write another story about which school but this one set in america but also good Right, but better than the Harry Potter stuff set in America. Yeah, like, good. She's gonna, like, really do her research. Oh, I'm proud of this fictional version of her that doesn't exist in reality. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, now that you've ruined my segue. (laughs) Okay, no, here's my segue. Uh, If you know the identity of J.K. Rowling's third alter ego, (laughs) email us at moreresearchrequired at gmail.com to tell us about it. Yeah. Oh, it's not more research required at gmail.com, though. It's more right. research cast Sorry. at gmail.com. More so, research cast at gmail.com. Please don't email more research required at gmail.com. I don't know who that is. I wonder if that's an owned email address. Or, okay, so, or you can send us an ask at more research required.tumblr.com, or you can tweet at us at more research underscore on Twitter. Our music is Marie Curie by the Crips from the album Discover Science. And I think that about wraps it up. Uh, I mean, comment, uh, review, leave a review. Uh, Yeah, please review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. That would be very kind. And like, I don't know. Uh, Do you have anything to say before we depart? Exercise to improve your mental health and stay curious. Give some bad names. Marie, Marie, Marie Curie. She's a type of scientist, don't wanna be. Winning those Nobels left and right. Static blown in overnight. Marie, Marie, Marie Curie. She's a type of scientist, don't wanna be. Hey friends, it is 1am and I got out my recording equipment to issue a correction for Casting Vaguely Downwards, the Good Omens fan cast within a regular podcast. I misheard Amy when she said which IT crowd actor she was thinking of. My fan cast for Crowley is not Chris O'Dowd, it's Noel Fielding. Just, just think about it, it's better. Not that Chris O'Dowd is a bad casting. They're both, well, David Tennant's all right, too. But Noah Fielding and Richard Iowate, think about it. It's good. That's all. Thanks. Bye.